Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Hello and welcome to a very exciting episode of Two Slips in a Gully. I'm joined, as always, by my good friends, Glenn. Hello. And Gary. Hey, guys. Um, or Captain Grumpy, I should say. Congratulations again. Oh, thank you, sir. So, this one is a fantastic episode. It feels like things are back to normal, back to our, uh, back to our roots. We're going to be chatting about real-life, in-the-moment cricket. Well, in-the-moment, a test that has just finished. Rather, th- rather than the Jiminy. <laughs> rather than Jiminy. Um, so, uh, as you know, the West Indies and England have taken part in the first test match in what was, I think, the first international game in 122 days, I believe, was the official count. Um, and so we were just chomping at the bit for that. It was a fantastic ch- uh, test match and a fantastic away win for the West Indies. Um, so we're going to get talk about that, our thoughts on the match, um, our predictions, you know, fallout from this sort of stuff. Um, it's going to be a great one. We're super keen. Um, stick around because all that is coming right up. Well, and he's done it. And he's done it in grand style with a boundary. Well done, Glenn McGrath. First ever half-century in Test cricket. So, yes, we are very, very, very excited. We're going to have a chat about the first Test at Southampton between the West Indies and England. And as we can all say, I'm pretty sure we were all in the same boat. We are very happy that the West Indies got up and took down England, winning by four wickets. Yep. Yep. We're all happy with that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like we've talked about in the podcast uh, leading up to this game, this was a test match that the West Indies really had to win. Um, No Joe Root. Set the tone for the series. It's all a pretty even base. No one's coming off any measurable form. Been 120-odd days since the last international game was played. Um, they've been in the country. They've had heaps of time to prepare. Um, 
West Indies really needed to start strong and get uh, if for their series to to really take hold, and they did that. They got away. Um, we'll go through it. So England batted first, won the toss, decided to bat first. There wasn't a lot of action on day one. Only 17 overs ended up being bowled. Uh, stayed up so late to watch those 17 overs too. <laughs> and almost I got I stayed up and watched 17 overs and then got to see highlights of Kim Hughes smacking the Kiwis around. So that was, was kind of worth it. Wasn't a total loss. And it's it's that extra mile that, you know, makes you the the head honcho here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they knocked over England for 204, which is a, a fantastic start. And to be honest, I, th- I really think England sort of rallied a bit at the end. They probably got about 30 or 40 more runs than they probably should have. Some guys like Dom Bess um, chipping in um, at the back end of that innings, which sort of got them over the 200 mark. So they're kind of lucky to be in that position. Uh, the Windies came back out uh, in their first inning, scoring 318, which was anchored by... Um, a breakthrough score from Craig Brathwaite. Um, been 22 innings, I believe, since he's registered a Test 50, and he broke through for for 65 and was probably really probably unlucky not to go on with it more. He got a, mm. a, a DRS call for LBW, which had two, two umpires calls in there. Um, we both thought, I, watching I, I, it, that it was not out. Yeah, should have been live, called not live out. Live, I thought he was outside the line. Um, which is a big thing that I really have against... Um, the umpire's call. We've talked about it a lot. I think the DRS should be, it's just, you find whatever arbitrary percentage of the ball needs to be pitching and hitting, go with that. No umpire's call. If it gives it out, you go on LBW, you go to the, you know, DRS, captain calls for DRS, and then you go to Hawkeye. If Hawkeye says the ball is missing, then it's missing. If it's hitting, it's hitting. I'm sick and tired of seeing ones that go, um, you know, two-thirds of the ball are said to be hitting, and that's not enough, so it remains not out. And then you have another one which is out where it's just touching, but it's just enough for umpire's call. Mm. Ball one is way more out than ball two, but ball one remains not out because the umpire wasn't trigger-happy. So I just think it just needs to be standard. You don't have – if it goes up to the third umpire, you just have – Whatever Hawkeye says, you just yeah. find some whatever number percentage of the ball needs to be pitching. If it's going to be tennis, and any part of that ball is said to be touching the line, then have that. If you need it to be fifty percent, then have that. But it can't be. You can't have wavering. Just give whatever Hawkeye says. They have goes. to trust the the technology a hundred percent. No one's asking that. the the umpires to predict the future. Just have Hawkeye there. And if Hawkeye says enough of the ball's hitting or pitching in line, and enough of balls going on to hit the stumps, then it's out. Don't worry about, oh, yeah, well, it's close, and there's a bit of margin for error. Everyone's playing by the same margin of error. If everyone's playing by the same rules, no one can get upset. Mm. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, as I was saying, before I went on my mini soapbox. Yeah, it was good. There we go. We got one in. We got a soapbox <laughs> in. Um, Craig Brathwaite, 65. Bit of a breakthrough knock. He is going to be vital for the continued success of the West Indies in this tour. He needs to stay in the runs. I think it, it looked like one of those knocks where he was likely to do it again as well. Yeah, there was. It Didn't very come reserved. off in the second innings. He got, got a, a little bit unlucky. Got a good good ball and and, and played went it through on. the pads and rolled onto yeah. the stumps. Um, who else? Uh, Roston Chase got in the runs. Forty-seven, I believe. Oh, that was a grafting, grinding innings, yeah, wasn't it? 40, 47 off like a hundred and fifty, hundred and forty-two balls, and that was with a flourish at the end. Mm. He, he actually started to um, 
he came came down the pitch and, and lofted a couple of times. That was after I uh, I kind of went to bed, but. Uh, Dowrich was the other key contributor, and he looked really good. He was probably the reason that um, Rost and Chase got to spend so many deliveries just absorbing the strikers because Dowrich was um, rotating the strike at the other end. He looked he like that, with, that, that token busy wicketkeeper innings, wasn't it? Mm, 61, looked really good doing it. Um, I have to say, Shemar Brooks' 39 was really underrated as well. He looks like yeah. he's a good cricketer, hit some nice sort of clean drives, looked to yeah, looked yeah. busy at the crease. Didn't he, just, look, he just needs to get in. Mm, he yes. looked really technically correct too. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like a, you know, like a cavalier brash innings. Mm. He looked like he was he was up for it. He, there wasn't a whole lot visually wrong with what he was doing. He just copped a good ball and, and got out. Yeah. Um, First innings looked great. So they went in with a lead of, of 114 runs. So that's that was huge from the Windies. Um the England really fought back hard in the second innings. They ended up with 313 all out, leaving 200 runs to chase. That was weighed down by some starts for, for most of their top order. Burns got 42. Sibley got 50. Denley spent 70 balls getting 29. So another innings where he's got yeah. in and then got out. So he'd be having a really warm seat on the bus to um, Old Trafford, I would imagine. Yeah, I think we next should, one. should maybe discuss who, who goes out for Root. Yeah, um, we'll get to that after we go through the test, but yep. I think he, obviously, the um, you'd have to think that Denley and Crawley are the two guys that are on the button to, you know, that top order position. But Crawley made runs and in Crawley the made runs. talking about. He got 76, uh, Stokes got 46, um, and so they look like England were really starting to wrestle control back to... Probably their noses in front at this point. And then um, late in the day on day four, um, Shannon Gabriel, who'd been – he had a really awful spell with the second new ball, to be honest. He got smacked around, um, came back in in the dying minutes of, of day four and picked up what, three three wickets, four wickets. Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Who he got? Pope bowled. Um, got best bowled. Uh, Alzari Joseph chipped in and picked up Joss Butler. They really yeah. wrestled the momentum back, leaving England with only two wickets for the morning of day five. Mm. I thought it was a strange approach to day five. What did you guys think for the English batsmen? They sort of came out looking to be really aggressive. Well, I, I don't think they, they quite um, registered that really that they should be playing for a draw at that point. Um you know, as an Australian, you don't you don't play for draws, but um, English traditionally, you know, take whatever they can get. Well, even if it's not necessarily playing for a draw, there's a lot of time left in that day. Like even when the windy, they had ninety overs or something thereabouts to chase down that two hundred. So yeah. even if they scratched about for another, even they scratched in for twenty or more overs, that's still seventy overs to yeah, bowl them out, it, sort it, of thing. It, and it, it would make it. The Windies at least have to think about their run rate, and uh, in order to in order to get the runs. And if they bat around going at two runs and over for twenty overs, just blocking out, playing sensibly, then that two hundred runs turns into two thirty, two forty. Yeah, if they get that, and they've got to get that in seventy overs, that's yeah. starting to get because that's a game. Well, from from the end of the first England's first innings, the Windies have got to be thinking we've knocked England over for two hundred. We've got sunshine coming in for days three and four. We've got 
our head and shoulders in front. We should win this from here. And then they're coming into to day five after an English fight back. The momentum's all with them going, all right, we've got to chase down, you know, somewhere between 200 and 250 in 60, 70 overs. Yeah. It's day five. And then they start going, can we do this? Ah, oh, the West Indies would have done it. Well, they may not have made it. They may not have got it. They well, that's the they, thing. They'd they, go down they, swinging. That's the thing with, with what screams to me about this West Indies batting lineup, and something they really need to be sure of going through. Um, they lost, so they ended up winning by four wickets, two hundred for six, which sound like day five. You know, losing six wickets in in a run chase that long in sixty four overs, that doesn't sound too bad. But they lost quite a few wickets right up front. They ended up being. Um, hang on, I've got the figures in front of me. Three for 27, which is actually four for 27 at that point because John Campbell actually went off injured. So they'd, um, they were four batsmen down at that point for 27, still with 170 runs to get. Yeah, and yeah. at that point, when I was watching it with you, Glenn, we were both thinking the Windies might have made a meal of this. Yeah. Like they've got an, a, a nice steady run chase of 290 overs. And that was off the back of some phenomenal bowling from Joffre Archer. He looked really, really scary with the um, with his short stuff in that spell. Really sort of kept England in the game early yeah. on in that innings. And then obviously it was a great fight back in that second innings from uh, from Roston Chase and Jermaine Blackwood. Um, he was absolutely vital to that innings. Ended up with a, a ninety five. And a brain snap at the end, which cost him a, <laughs> a, a match-winning hundred, as, as it seems like he's wont to do. You know, um, the 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 difference between his his brilliant best and his worst is is a long way. You know, I suppose when you play like him, you're going to get out, and it's going to look ugly a few times. But uh, England in England, with the bowling attack that we know that they've got, you can't find yourself two, three down for not many and dig yourself out of that hole with the batting lineup that the West Indies have got too often. So no. they really need the guys like Brathwaite, Campbell, Hope, and Brooks. They need to be making runs at the top of the order. Like, yeah, you, I don't you, know. you're saying the Windies would have went for it, but if they were chasing 250 and 70 overs, but I don't actually know. That's their Achilles heel at the moment for mine, is they're disciplined. Their, their bowling is disciplined. They feel very well. They're well led by Jason Holder. He's the number one all-rounder. He's the number two bowler. There are a lot of holes in that batting lineup. Oh, um, definitely. You know, we're talking about Brathwaite being a key. He's got 150 in the last 23 innings, mm. which is 24 innings um, now after the, the second innings of that game. So Yeah, but but purely on that game, I, I don't think it looked – too brittle. I, I thought, I thought the West Indies looked really well prepared. Um, uh, they, they they got every inch out of the talent that they've got in that side. Yeah, I agree with Glenn. Like, the, I, the, I, I I think they played well to their strengths. They did, but if you wait until Roston Chase hit five to come in to give that team yeah a solid backbone then you're asking for a lot of problems. They've got oh. Shy Hope batting at three, who most considered to be probably their most probably their best batsman in that top four. And that's primarily off the back of his um, one-day international form. He's averaging yeah. 27 as a number three batsman, and he's your probably your world stand. Like, we're probably looking at that lineup, you would say that Shy Hope is the is the Smith, 
Coley, Williamson, Azam of that side. Yeah. He only averages about 30-odd overall. 27. Is overall, overall, we should, oh, right. I thought that overall. must have been like yeah, twenty seven. So and that's it. So they need some runs in that top four if they're going to be persisting with, especially Blackwood. They, they counted that through the selection though, um, by having the extra batsman. Yeah, almost. so they had they had Dowrich. Well, Dowrich was listed at eight, but came in at seven in both innings. Yeah, um, and then they they had. Probably statistically their best batsman, Jason Holder, batting at eight. <laughs> Just yeah. it's strange. It's almost like reversing the order, you know. Making Well, they said that a number of times in the telecast is the West Indies are second only to the New Zealand from their batsmen six through 11 in terms of the average of their six through 11 batsmen. They're only, they're only second to New Zealand and New Zealand as well. They carry two all-rounders in Santner and DeGrand home at seven and eight. So yeah. that's not a true bowling tail there either. So No, I think it's probably a good move though um, because it takes the, the pressure off him. He's an all-rounder and he's the captain. Yeah. You don't – even though he's, he is their best batsman, you're not putting him in the top order. I think seven, I think seven is ideally – for a really successful West Indies side, seven is as high as you want holder to bat, and then yeah. your top six would be made up of batsmen who can get the job done. I'd like eight. Eight is a little low for him. He's going to have to bat with the tail a lot, but Which doesn't that get style, the, yeah get the most out of how good a batsman he is. Yeah, true, but it it kind of suits his his more aggressive style as well. What do you think of of Blackwood? I I I, I flip flopped. During this test match, I was um, I was yeah, very you were against. Calling, you were calling for his head after he just lofted. Well, that. I wasn't. I wasn't necessarily <laughs> calling for his head. I was saying that if the Indies want to get in a, a genuine spinner, he would be the batsman most obvious to make way. Yeah, yeah. That was in the first innings, and then in the second innings, obviously he scored that. And it, let's not beat around the bush. It wasn't a classy ninety-five. It was through caution to the wind. He got dropped yeah. a couple of times. He, but he, well, he, he didn't he get dropped with, by Rory Burns. He didn't even get a hand on it. Well, he well, should straight have been, at him. And, and Ben Stokes over, like, overread the situation. He hit one straight yeah. to him, but he tried to predict things and went too far on his inside. Yeah. So he gave away a lot of chances. I think in a settled batting lineup, every team would love a guy like Blackwood, especially if you've got Dowrich and Holder coming in after him. Is a guy that, is a bit of a pocket rocket, a guy that you know is going to just throw a bit of caution to the wind. Like he went at a strike rate of 60 and and if he comes off, yeah, he wins the game for you. Yeah, he's a match winner. Like he does there. The problem is, is in the first innings when we you're four down and you're trying to build a total and he comes in and then just drives the spinner straight to <laughs> yeah. mid off. Yeah. It, oh, it, it, he me. feels like the kind of guy who would charge a base bowler when they're five for twenty, a la Brad Haddon. Oh, <laughs> I, think, I think that comes with, with I don't know, with time. Give him time. Well, he's, he's had a number of cracks at it, so he's that's his eleventh yeah. Test fifty to go with, and there are three, three. I think we saw three of his Test fifties in the nineties, and I, I can't rem, I can't. Say that I've seen many of those ones. I think one was against Sri Lanka, another one was against Pakistan. But I would, I would, you know, bet better than fifty percent odds that at least two of those three nineties that he's got were had the hundred in the bag and did something dumb to get out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've known players to do that before. So, <laughs> so he's had a really? few goes at it. He's come back into the side off the basis of a really strong domestic season for them, which I think is great. Um, for a guy like that that's been in and out of the side, he's forced his way back in on the basis of scoring 
plenty of runs at home. Um, after watching that innings, I can see uh, a lot of positives with having a guy like Blackwood in in that number six position on the proviso that you you need to shore up that um, that top order a bit because if you're going to have too many games where you're two, three down for not many, and then you start building things back up with, you know, Rost and Chase and, say, Shemar Brooks put together a bit of a partnership. You know, they've come in, they're, they're three for 50 or 60, have a 50 or 60 run partnership. You're now four for 120. You're still really yeah, struggling. You're still, still in trouble. And then Blackwood comes in. It'd be nice to know that when Blackwood comes in that you you don't need him to go and have a dashing a dash at it and then turn it into five for one thirty. Yeah, but I suppose like every player is a little bit different. Um, but and, right. and maybe that's his role. Yeah, and and I can get on board with that. That's fantastic. But you, you need to be able to have a, a lineup that's going to give you a platform. Uh, if you're going to give him a license to go, you play your game because when it comes off, we win games. That's great. But they need to fix one, two, three, and four. If they're going to give, if they're yeah, gonna, uh, if they're going to put up with Blackwood. Being like you can't blame it all on Blackwood. He can't come in at six. Yeah. With the windies always in trouble. Yeah. He like he's obviously not the sort of player that's going to turn into Dravid or no. Smith or someone like that that's willing to put away the shots for long periods of time. So it's on the one hand, if you're going to have him in there, that's great. Play to his strengths, but you need to give him a side where you can play to his strengths. Because obviously when he's comfortable. Mm. He can churn out really good well, knocks think, like that. I think that's the way they've gone with Chase. I, I think he's quite adjusted his his game to be the grafter in the middle order. Um, I remember him being a lot more fluent when I, I've seen uh, – admittedly it's it's been limited the amount of times I've seen him, but I can't remember him being that, uh, that conservative. Dower. Yeah. Um, so maybe they've gone – Well, I think that's good. It's what they need, but I just think they need some class – some consistent class at the top of the order. And uh, like we've seen Shy Hope, he's scored back-to-back or hundreds in consecutive innings, back-to-back innings the last time he was over in England. Yeah. Um, Campbell looked okay, got troubled by Anderson a little bit. And then the second innings was a bit, we don't, how do we know, because he went off injured. So yeah. you know, it's hard to adjust his form based on his injury. I think, yeah. Brathwaite, I mean, we know, is that guy that can not hold together a knock at the top of the order. And Shemar Brooks look classy. We just need those guys to translate that potential onto onto the yeah. wickets. And if yeah. we, once you do that, you're looking at the Windies with that bowling attack. Um, you're looking at the Windies being right up there with Australia and India and those guys in terms of. I, I think they should the standings should pick, pick Brian Lara. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still score. He, runs looks, he looked good. He does. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on from that, I think yeah, great. Momentum builder for the Windies. Um, yeah. Like I said, now all I need to do is draw one of these next two and they retain the trophy. I'm sure that's not what they're aiming to do. They want to win another one. If they win another one, it's the first series win in England in 30 years. Wow. Which I'd, be, I'd like to see them do it. Yeah. I really would. I um, would like to see them do it, even though I predicted that they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's a great start from them. Uh, Jason Holder... How great did he – like, I'm sure you guys saw it. Things were getting a little flat the end of day four. Yeah. Um, England had started putting together – they were putting on plenty of runs. They now started to grind out a lead. There was a long time between anything happening and so that the ball got old. Um, how up for it did Jason Holder look every oh. time a wicket fell? Oh. <laughs> you could he, hear him. 
you could hear him because there was no crowd. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, he oh. he totally put his big boy pants on and took ownership of that team. He was he was, was fantastic as captain. Like he reviewed well. Um, he did his primary role very well. Yep. The only thing he didn't get was runs in the first innings. Um, but even his bowling changes, you know, like you've got to give him a lot of credit for going back to Gabriel and that. Uh, at at the end of day four, and that swung the game. He um, he didn't persist with Gabriel either when he didn't need to. Like he he realized yeah. very early with that second new ball that Gabriel was not the guy. He just wasn't getting it right. The batsmen were taking to mm. him with the and, and sometimes the, they only the bowled, they only bowled two over spells, and he was just like, nah, hook him. Yep, we got enough. So he, he was decisive like that. What I loved is the back end of day four. Alzari Joseph took two wickets. Yeah, And he looks like he's a fairly reserved sort of player because he took two wickets and while he looked very intense in the face, there wasn't a lot of outward emotion. He didn't jump up and down, didn't do the fist pump, didn't cheer, which is fine. But I love the fact that Jason Holder just went off. He was happy for, he for just another player. was so elated. But it wasn't just that. Like You could see just how much this meant to him. It wasn't just like... Well done, congratulations! Like he was, he was emotionally invested in this game, yeah. And it was really visible for everyone to see that when the Windies were doing well, he was just so overjoyed. And when they weren't doing so well, he had his he was knuckled down and he was adjusting the game. And I think that's great to There's see. It's been a little while since you've seen that, you know, like from a Windies team. Yeah, yeah. It looks really like super up for it. I don't know whether it's just because there is no crowd and usually, you know, they're always doing that and you just don't hear it. But it, I don't it know. Reminded, it, was the, it was in the body language, wasn't it, it as re- well? It reminded me of, of Virat Kohli and the way that he yeah. emotionally rides the game. Gary's sitting here shaking his head. He, he, we know he overdoes Co- it. We know Kohli <laughs> overdoes it, but he is always, always hitting like peak, peak enthusiasm. For yeah. his team, and I, I really appreciated seeing that in Jason. Like he didn't overdo it and carry on and give him a send off and all that sort of stuff that you no. sometimes see from Coley, but it was that same sort of emotional he investment. Played with passion, he played with passion, and I think that's great. As, you know, and the Windies can be a hard team to do that because you know, it's hard to be really passionate when you're struggling, and there's obviously all sorts of. Um, Mm. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of different nations all playing together. So there's they haven't been home for a good long time yeah, either. And, and that's another thing too. We've got to give them a shout out for like the the Windies really have saved cricket. I mean, this is a big ask. Um, got to live in a you know coming overseas. England had a pretty ordinary track record with COVID. They um, you know quite a lot of cases. Um, things got well out of hand. Windies didn't back down. They went over there, lived in a bubble. Been over there for like there's a long time out of home, and they've yeah. made this happen. So, thank yeah. you, thank you so <laughs> so much, and yeah. all the cricket people across the world. Thank you, the West Indies team. Yeah, it was great, it and was thank such you a for good winning. Test. Thank you for winning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there anything you were disappointed about in the whole test? day day one day one? Well, <laughs> other than day one, because it was seventeen point five overs, and I wanted to cry. Um, it was a good 17.5. I really would have liked to see Blackwood get 100 just for the pure theatre of the moment. Um, match winning 100, bringing your team from the brink. Um, you know, Joffre Archers bowling thunderbolts and whizzing past everyone's faces and you're just sitting there uppercutting everything, the third man for boundaries and, <laughs> you know, driving Ben Stokes and James Anderson on the up through the covers. Like it was a 
dashing Cavalier innings. It, it really did deserve. And the way that he just... When he just drove one straight at Anderson at mid-off on 95, I was I think I said it two balls before to Glenn, like, there's 11 runs to get. I really hope. <laughs> He's that, not thinking two hits. That, um, yeah. that Blackwood, Blackwood gets five of them. And just because he deserves a hundred, because it's and it, and for a guy like Blackwood, who's got a history of being really inconsistent and not a guy who's known for his staying power at the crease, to come in at three, which is really four for for twenty seven or thirty seven, whatever it was, and then get your team home away from home on day five. Like it's an innings that deserved a hundred. So that's probably you, you my bat, like as as a batsman as well. You've you've got your team. To the uh, to the target, yeah. You bat for your average because it's academic at that you, point. You, there's, lo- there's you look at his stats, and it, they're not impressive as yet. Uh, he's only made one hundred, and now he's he's got a conversion rate of um, one in twelve. One in one in twelve, yeah, because he had eleven at the start. So, I mean, that doesn't look bad. And also, like you, you think, okay, you convert. Half more of those fifties to hundreds, your average is up around forty. Which I don't know. It's forty is just like the agreed upon par, isn't it? For well, you for take like if, he, if you take his now three nineties, and yeah. you say that he gets all of them. Yeah, that's plus, now five. One of those is not out. Mm. That helps your average even more. <laughs> so you go to you can tell I'm a four hundreds <laughs> and eight fifties. And so you've got a conversion rate of 50, yeah. or 50%. Four hundreds and eight fifties, and let's just say that adds another, you know. 400. So he gets to somewhere near 40 as an average. And you're looking at that going, yeah. oh, he's averaging about 40 with four hundreds and eight fifties. You, you're starting to go, that's a, that's a, that's a decent bat. That's, that's a guy that you can yeah. sort of have in your side. And for the sake of all up, what, I think he had a 97, a 93, yeah. and a 95. So for the mm-hmm. sake of... 11 runs, yep. he's gone from a guy that you're like, oh, he's that's a that's a nice-looking career he's got going there to a guy that's got 112 50s, and you're like, this guy's got some serious issues with converting. Yeah. yeah. And and some people would have just, um, you know, got it done because they were afraid of the wrath of their captain up the other end. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a bit of a height difference there. Like, I, he can really stand over him and stand Stare at him. If if he'd copped an absolute jaffer from from Stokes and just yeah. went through the gate, you sort of go, all right. But just the way he got out and really cost himself a real storybook hundred. Yeah, you know, just come back from COVID. You've lived in a bubble for a, for you know a month. You're away from home. You may arguably you, you you're just only, got back into the West Indian side you, as well. Yeah, you're arguably back in because three players decided they didn't want to go to England and you've just gone through. You've had a shocker in the first innings. Your team's in disarray in the second innings chasing what should be a manageable target and you steer them home just playing your style. It's just one of those <laughs> ones that just like, it, if it was a movie, you just... You just know it would have finished in a hundred. It just deserved a hundred. It's really the only yeah. disappointing thing for the test for me was, well, was I, that. I think oh, fair enough. Um, objectively, you you have to be a bit disappointed in the English fielding as well. Oh. I mean that that is not test standard. Oh, I mean not test standard. That's not third grade standard. Yeah, I don't know. Terrible. I don't know. Like I I, I reckon that that one that went through the gully 
It's going through most third grade players, yeah, but okay. it shouldn't go through an international player. Well, oh. if, I could understand it if, if Burns dropped, dropped it, yeah, but he didn't even get a like he just no. missed it. Yeah, it was like, like it nearly hit him in the head. Yeah, yeah, um, it was I, almost dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then there was a, a Butler dropped a reasonably straightforward chance that down the leg side, the yeah. one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, they can like, be, they can be tough though. Yeah, oh, they are tough. I, I am not a test grade keeper by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I but, can see but, our second grade yeah. long time keeper, Jake, taking that one. Though. Yeah, probably. He sometimes, wasn't, he sometimes wasn't, as far as international this. standard keepers go, that's one that you would expect them, like they would expect themselves to swallow that's nine ju- times yeah. out of ten. Yeah. And totally. he's, he's, got to, he's got to be a bit worried there, Butler, too, because he's, he's a, I don't think. Well, let's have a chat about that. He, let's let's break down England. Yeah, what do yeah, we think yeah, about yeah. the English ahead. side? So, um, obviously, yeah, we'll start with Butler. So, he's um, he's a guy that is phenomenal in white ball cricket. Yep. And just cannot get it to work in in red ball cricket. And there's all these questions about, you know, why can't he get it to work? What's going on? What's wrong? I can tell you what's wrong. He doesn't trust his defense at right. all. Has no trust in his ability to defend the ball for long periods of time. Mm. And, and that's do you reckon of, it's that though, or do you reckon I'm, he just gets bored? I'm almost a hundred percent sure that's what it is. He, whether it's consciously or subconscious, he doesn't trust his ability to defend. Right, and you can see the way he sets up to defend. He's, you know, his head's too far forward because he just doesn't get it right. And I think a little bit of it's mental because I think he's defending because it's Test cricket, and that's mm. what Test cricketers do. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's, he's def- that's his he's, problem. He's defending for the sake of defending because, well, I better not get out playing my shots because that would just be silly because it's test cricket. I've got to be here for a, a while and I've got to graft the nings and get going. I think if he played a little bit more natural because mm. he comes in as a finisher in ODI cricket. So really in ODI cricket, there's not many balls he's defending by the time he gets in. He's defending the genuinely good ones. Yeah. And then everything else he's looking to manufacture runs. So and, and the other thing is, he's he's defending the good ones and then probably running through for a single as well. In, yeah, in, one, in is, one day cricket. And in one day cricket, though, you're you, not you, getting you, the You can't two, build up that pressure. Yeah, you're not getting, usually not getting the same ball more than twice in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you might not get the same bowler for more than, especially at that end, you, you're changing the bowlers all the time. Yeah. Um, so you're, are you suggesting that, that maybe they should just say, just go out and play exactly how you do in the 50-over game? I don't know about exactly the same, but I think they might need to give him a bit of a license to, a license to fail, if yeah. that makes sense. We need you to be like, they've obviously picked him in the well, same he's, mindset. He's number seven. Yeah, so he's not yeah. he's not exactly at the top of the order. Yeah. Is he I'd seven or six? Hang no, on. seven. Ollie Pope yeah, was six. Ollie Pope yeah, yeah, was yeah. in front of him. But still, like you'd, for a player of his caliber, they'd be wanting to get more runs out of him what they've got. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's more a batsman keeper than a keeper batsman. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, but if he goes out there and blocks a few and scores, you know, 19, and goes out there, plays his natural game, which he's, you know, very natural at, um, and scores 60... It doesn't really matter. It, it, it comes down to the... I, I just think if you gave him a bit of freedom to be more assertive, or even maybe not freedom, just instruction, mm. just take the choice away. We want you to go out and unless we're in absolute dire straits, we want you to go out. like that inning. He played a relatively okay innings 
at that Headingley test where we lost, and that really gave Stokes the ability to then open the shoulders up because mm. Butler was was forcing the issue, and he was actually I think he ended up with thirty or forty odd, which was actually a pretty key innings in that run chase. I think if you yeah. go out there with the instructions and rather than the freedom, tell him this is what we need you to do. This is your job in the team is to take the, put the pressure back on the bowlers. Obviously, you need to have a bit of common sense about it, but he's got that common sense in one-day cricket. If the ball's doing a whole, le- whole lot or England's top order's collapsed, he doesn't go out and just start clearing the fences from ball one. No. He builds an innings. Do the same thing. Be assertive. Rotate the strike. You know, put if it, the, the ball's there, put it away. Yeah, I mean, that that's and that, pretty much how and Gilchrist think, played test cricket, yeah. wasn't it? Like, it, it, it and, was just a slight bit... Less aggressive than what he played in ODI. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't much different. Gilchrist no. has a much better defensive technique than oh, yeah. Butler as well. Yeah, which absolutely. I think, and that's the thing. If Butler starts, not everyone start, can be Gilly. <laughs> if Butler starts feeling good about himself while he's out there, like he obviously knows how to defend, he can't get to the level that he's got to without having some ability to defend. But if he's looking to be more proactive, the bowls then starting to become more defensive. Um, you're setting different plans, and that sort of gives him that freedom. I think that mm. he's – if it was up to me, I would pick folks for the next test. I wouldn't pick Butler. But if they're going to persist with Butler, I think they need to they, they need to find some way of adjusting his approach because you could they were picking his technique apart all through day five. Mm. Um, and he didn't even look like scoring a run – oh, sorry, yeah. day four. He didn't look like scoring a run on day four. Um he was all over the place. Matt, like they just set him up at with, almost at ease. Yeah. Um, so if I was the English selectors, I wouldn't pick him. But if you're going to persist, I think they need to find some way of unleash, mm. finding a way to tap into his white ball pedigree because he's one of the best white ball players in the world. And there should be a way for that to translate. And I think it's because he's going in with the mindset of, I'm a test player. I should be defending. Yeah. And just defending because that's what he, he thinks he should be doing. Yeah, yeah. but it kind of works the same way with um, Glenn Maxwell. He's one of the one of the top T Twenty players in the world. He's not very good at Test cricket. I don't. I don't. We've had this discussion a few times before. <laughs> I don't think it's that's necessarily a, a true representation of Maxwell. Maxwell played one of the better innings I've seen by an Australian overseas in his last Test, and then just hasn't got to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think Maxwell has evolved from the cricketer that we've seen playing for One Day Internationals for Australia. The problem too with Maxwell is he doesn't get a lot of opportunity to really knuckle down and ply his wares in four-day cricket for Victoria because he spends so much time playing One Day International cricket for Australia. So after the test summer's finished, we normally have short-form cricket either side of our test matches, which Maxwell takes part in which usually cuts into his ability to actually go and play score runs for England. But I see where you're coming from. He's a player too that has struggled with adapting his game to play test cricket. And I think yeah. he's almost turned that corner, but by the time he's now turned that corner, he's now nearly 30. We're, I would be astonished if we saw yeah. uh, Maxwell any sort of extended capacity for the Australian cricket team. <clears throat> um, so back to England. Back to England. <laughs> what do we think of, of Mark Wood? Um, well, he's, he looked like the the weak link, really. Um, look, from the spells that I saw, he was a bit unlucky. He didn't bowl that badly. But 
over five days when you've only got two wickets and you've gone for, I don't know what, 80, 100 total. And, and, and the fact that no one scored more than, what, 320. So they yeah. weren't exactly run fests. They, there yeah. was a, a fair bit in it for the bowlers. Yeah. Um, look, he, he looked dangerous enough, but uh, I don't know whether he the, the selection of him over Broad was, was warranted. No, um, definitely wasn't. I don't know if the pitch really was suited to out-and-out pace, but Archer was considerably slower than him for the basically that whole of that test, and he looked way more threatening yeah. with the ball, and not just threatening to take wickets, but just threatening in general. Well, he could, could build pressure, you know. like Seems like Mark Wood has that pressure relief ball that he bowls every couple of overs, gets hit for four, whereas Wood had some- Archer- Absolutely staggeringly impressive pace. He had one yeah. 93 mile per hour ball. Like he was genuinely quick. Yeah, that's 152, 153. Yeah, nearly 153. Oscar. Yeah. Um, but I think he's just there to bowl quick. Yeah, yeah, but that really doesn't work. And we all we all know it doesn't work for the the people like um Mitchell Johnson in his early years. He used to be like that. He'd he'd be quick. But he was so erratic and so ridiculous. Well, Johnson's absolute peak was when he was playing at the Wacker, which is yeah, bouncy, yeah. or when he came out and just decided that I'm going to knock you all over with the ball and just yeah. bowl bounces. That's when Johnson's prop, you know, absolute mega peak was. I yeah. think he had one tour to South Africa where he managed to get the ball to swing a little and he carved them up. I think it was his first tour over there and he scored a 90 and 100. It was yeah. um, 2009, early 2009, I think, that tour. But other yeah. than that, he almost exclusively exceeds as a bowler with aggression and bounce, not just fast. And I just yeah. didn't see enough mongrel in wood no. to really make the pace worth it. Like... Uh, yeah, a lot of bounces sort of were too short. They got under them or easily. Or too wide or just, you know. There was a and, couple and the that he, he got right. There's a, yeah, like he well, didn't bowl bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I just thought, well, you've got Archer doing that job and he's doing it better than your guy that's there to do to that, do that job. job. Like yeah. you've, just mm. picked him be- you've just picked him because he's the fastest on the speed gun. And I think that's a re- – like, and let's not kid around. We don't like Stuart Broad, but Stuart Broad was – Probably their best bowler in the um, overall in the Ashes. We, we don't like him because he goes well against our team. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't walk that one time. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but Still got to hold that against him. He was probably the best bowler in the Ashes. He went over to South Africa and was the best bowler for England over there. And then coming here first test. He didn't mince words either. He wanted to play. And he got dropped. And yeah. I'm like, that's... He was pre- he rough. was pretty gutted after the game was finished. I don't understand the move. It's 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 very unlike England. I, 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 to do I honestly that. think that it's that they're enamoured with the fact that Mark Wood bowls fast. Like, and he's not a bad bowler by any stretch. He's certainly test quality. But if you've got everyone healthy, surely in England, yeah, Broad gets the run. You've still got to take wickets. That's so, that's the you're not you would, there to knock people out. You you're would there think, to take wickets. You would think everyone being healthy and relatively in form, your your attack at the moment for England would be Broad, Anderson, and Archer, and Bess, and Bess. Don't forget the spinner. If you wanted to run with a four, and you've got Stokes, so you wouldn't really ever need it. Have a need for for four or yeah, because you'd, five you'd be having five quicks. Yeah, no no point. And I think that oh, leads into my next point is that I don't think that Archer 
is their the head of their attack. I think Arch no. is a guy that because he was pretty ordinary in the first innings. Had some yeah. decent spells, but really lacked penetration. Had that tour to New Zealand, expected to do great things with the ball, really lacked penetration. I think Arch is a guy, like, I think he's genuinely a fantastic first-change bowler. You have Broad and Anderson doing Broad and Anderson things, and then you have Archer coming in, and if he has one of those spells where it's tearing people's noses off as, as he bowls, and he ends up with that 3-4 for 20 or 30 or 40, that's amazing. But I think it's... You're not getting the best out of Joffre Archer if you're asking him to go and bowl. Like, I know he'll bowl long spells, but I think if you've got the two control guys in Broad and Anderson, or if once Anderson steps away, then it becomes um, uh, Wokes and yeah. Broad or something like that. And then you just get Archer to be that point of difference. Like, in the 13-14 um, Ashes, we had Siddle and Harris, who were the guys that toiled and bowled that line and length and, you know, was... They did their yeah, jobs, yeah. and Mitchell Johnson was that point of difference. That's not saying that Archer can never bowl line and length, but I think it plays into his strength. When when you need for it, you throw in the ball and go, and just go and knock me some heads off. Yeah. And Archer runs in and does that. When yeah. it's not on, Archer's shown that he can be a, an absolute wizard with the ball, bowling cutters and getting the ball to swing and you know, oh, I just seaming think, it. I think they're too excited about, oh, this guy's scary, he's quick, and... All the rest of it. And oh, they're trying to take advantage I of it. I think unless there is, like, a clear advantage to going to horses for courses, like, it's, it's a, like, a really obvious one, you just pick your best bowlers. And, you just and, didn't get it. You don't I'd, worry about conditions, you know? Like, regard, regardless of conditions, unless you're in a dust bowl in India <laughs> where you're going to pick two spitters. Or you're playing in Australia that. where you're not at Adelaide with a pink ball. Yeah. You, you just find your... your Three most quality seamers and your best spinner most of the time. Or if you're, you're the Windies, you've just got three really good, uh, sorry, four really good um, seamers and yeah. someone to bowl some spin part time. <laughs> from the from the commentary of the test, they're saying that the uh, the next two tests should be more conducive for for pace. So, which is might, a bit, disa- might, I'm a bit disappointed in that. You might see honest. more. Um, more out of Wood in the next two tests. In mm. which case, why did you not run with Broad in this one? It just, yeah, I just like because they're they're really like they're back to back, so they're fairly close together, aren't they? So they couple of days, yeah. So they're not gonna um the bowlers aren't gonna bowl in four three tests back to back to back. It's it's just they and the way things are these days, they just won't let them do it. So yeah. I, I so would that, am- that may have come into it as well, I suppose. Yeah, I would imagine they, but surely after the layoff they've had, yeah, you don't save broad for no. If, you're, if your plan is to save broad for later on, so if you're coming off fit, ready to go, you pick your best attack to start. Exactly, and then if you need to rest someone because you're worried about anyone getting injured in the because you've got three tests played in twenty days or twenty five days, whatever it was, having you, a one nil advantage is such a big. Big advantage. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. You dictate the terms of the series. Like I said, the Windies are one nil. They only yeah. need to draw a game, and they've they've retained the the trophy as it was. They they can't exactly. lose the series. I think you just got to cre- cross the bridge when you come to it. Like I, I, I can't imagine they'd be thinking like that. Let, yeah, unless their plan is to play broad back to back tests, and because he's old, they didn't want. But Anderson will play all three tests if he's healthy. They're not going to drop him. Yeah, he looks he looks in good shape. You know, like he looked a bit quicker too. Yeah, yeah, bowling like eighty five. Miles, which I think is, I don't know, 135-ish, I think. It's quicker than I could probably face. <laughs> and, and the thing is, too, Anderson 
really wasn't used a great deal in the middle overs either because he's in that inning, like the the pitch sort of wasn't really swinging. There wasn't a lot of bounce. There was really nothing that Anderson could do other than yeah, really just be, be tight. a holding holding role. And I feel that Broad, if because they're obviously going to pick Anderson, Anderson will be there. He's the leading all time wicket taker for for England. He's obviously classed with the new ball. He will be there. I just feel that Broad offers more in the middle overs than Anderson does. So if you need to carry Anderson, then you should need a guy that can do a bit. And I don't yeah. think Mark Wood is that good a bowler that he's, other than just hitting the pitch hard and bowling fast, there aren't a lot of other strings to his bow. And I feel uh, Broad yeah. is more a bowler that will get more you know, cutters, hitting this, what's left of the seam. You know, he's, got more, he's got more tricks in his bag, which you can make use yeah. of in those overs where the ball's not doing a great yeah, deal. Yeah, I mean, you can't even really argue that, that he and Anderson are similar. Like... I suppose they're similar in pace, but that's about all, you know. Like Broad is taller, um, gets goes, far less goes better, swing. Yeah, yeah, better against left-handers. Um, yeah, and he's he's got like you say a, a few different strings to his bow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll pick pick Broad. I would be astonished if they didn't pick Broad in the next. Like, yeah, uh, and it's and it's really not fair on Stuart Broad if they don't because he's done. Nothing really to warrant getting dropped. It's not like Peter Siddle for Australia, who was playing on probably well past his use by date. He always <laughs> seemed to be the next bowler in if one of our young quicks went down. And it's like, <laughs> not Sids. Love yeah. Sids, but not Sids. Broad's not in that. Like, he's still... What him out to past? He's still in no, that. Not, not Broad. <laughs> yeah, Broad's still in that that first 11 he, tight side for England. He deserves to be there. He showed that in the, the last two test tours for them, so... Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're just trying to bring on Mark Wood a little bit. He's only played 15 tests. Yeah, but he's 30 now. Yeah, Mark. I know. He is 30. And he averages 31 with the ball. Yes, I mean, so he hasn't really... Uh, I, I honestly think it's just, not terrible. It's not great. I think it's just pace for pace's sake is yeah, why they yeah. went I, with I Mark I think Wood. you might be right. Um, Getting preoccupied with pace like we were preoccupied with finding an all-rounder for about a decade. Well, we were preoccupied with pace as well. That's why I played. Yeah, well, that's true. Just Darren Lehman wouldn't even um, humour the idea of bringing in a player that couldn't bowl 140 <laughs> kilometres per hour. As it happens, the three bowlers we've got yeah, who himself, bowl that. Himself having experience at bowling <laughs> that, that pace. <laughs> I think he was lucky to break 80 if he bowled. <laughs> um, let's move on to the batsman. So what do we think? Um, of what well, I called it in the, the last few podcasts leading up to this, that England's batting lineup uh, was without Joe Root in it was um, something to be the, the, was their weak link. Yeah. Um, Rory Burns. Rory Burns annoys me. Right. I just I don't know. He's got a punchable face, <laughs> and I want to punch him in the face. We've had a soapbox. We've had two soapboxes. Yeah, but just I like just, he just really annoys me, <laughs> and he just doesn't seem to want to get out, and then he gets out. Yeah. It's great. However, he looked really, really good. He looked I don't I don't think he looked good. I I I, I do. I think he I think he looked like a player. I, admittedly I only saw him in the first innings and highlights. I, I'm yeah. I'm with you. I don't think any of the the only batsman other than Stokes that looked good for England was Crawley in the second innings. No. Um like they they accumulated some runs, but I don't think they looked good. Well, I, I, Sibley and Burns in the second innings knuckled down, survived the new ball and scratched out a start. But I don't think they looked good. Crawley looked good. 
in yeah. the second innings. Stokes, Probably looked good in both innings, I reckon. Stokes looked Stokes is a, a world class batsman. He obviously looked good, um, but I, I don't. And Joe Denley is just an anchor at the moment. He just mm. sits about. I think he's just there because he's experienced. I, I would imagine going forward, experienced England, at being England, mediocre. Right England now. would have to drop Denley, move Crawley to three, and bat Root at four. Anyway, wait, wait, hang on. Let, but let, yes, your let, point let's about let Gary. So I, 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 I think he looks like a batsman who's going to be in the England side for a long time. You're right. probably right. I, I probably well, am right. Well, they've spent <laughs> the better part of a decade trying to find a partner for Alastair Cook. Yeah, they they couldn't. They couldn't find that. So now no, you got to. No. Yeah. But but I, I, his second innings, I, I was rather enthusiastic watching him because I don't look. I don't like the guy. He just, like I said, he's got a punchable face. <laughs> but he he just, he toiled so well. Yeah. And then when he finally got out, you could see the disappointment in his face. Yeah. And it just, uh, he was but horrified I, in himself. I don't, I don't, I'm not doubting his resilience. He, he looks like he's got the steel. But the problem is, to me, there looks like a lot of ways that he can get out. Oh, yeah. A lot of ways. The first one is getting caught in gully because of that ridiculous backlift of his where he's playing across the ball. And then closing in, the bat face as well yeah, as he comes through. I, I was sure he was going to get out that way uh, in the first innings about four times. It just yeah. spewed like – and it just went forward of gully or finer than gully. And then and then he ended up finding another way of getting out, which was walking across his stumps and getting hit <laughs> in the pads. And then in the second innings, now I didn't see much of, the, of his second innings, but seems like he grafted and and got to forty. He just and you can he see just him lay, doing that. He's he laced that in. into a he laced into a back foot shot on exactly. Boston Chase and hit it and straight he, to a fielder. He got himself out that yeah, time. He really so did. he's he's got ways that they can exploit his technique and. He's occasionally getting himself, and it out. was and it was a backward point too. So, I'm I'm not I, I I'm not doubting uh, his resilience, but I think he's going to have to make adjustments to his technique. Oh, definitely, definitely needs to make adjustments. However, he looked good, which was really annoying. Right, <laughs> but uh, other than that, oh, I thought Zach Crawley looked good. Like I said, in in both innings, he, yeah, he's at what six foot five. He presses forward and and looks to drive like a like a good tall tall batsman. Does. He came out in a like, well, really they were what behind by eighty ish runs. Yeah, oh, maybe a little bit less than that by the time he got to the crease. But you know, like, and he came out and looked positive as well. Like he hit it at a good clip. Like yeah. he wasn't stuffing about. He was, he was actually looking, he was putting positive, pressure back on the windies. Which, and we were talking about this is before your stint at two slips in the gully. But me, you, and Scotty used to talk about all the time leading to the Ashes is that with a, a top three of of um the go, uh, the top three or four of the guys that uh, England had, there was no scoreboard pressure. So even yeah. if they managed to get through the new ball and keep the Aussies out with grit and determination, they weren't hurting us. Yeah. With runs on the board, and and that was the thing. Joe Root is obviously the most expansive player in that top four for that Ashes series, and there was a lot of pressure on him to keep the scoreboard ticking over because he was the the elegant run scorer of that lineup. Yeah. Like Joe Denley doesn't seem to be have that ability to 
to gear into scoring runs. No. I think that's a great shift from Crawley that if he's going to be a guy that can really cut it at test level, and like we said, the Windies have got a good bowling attack, yeah, and he managed to look good against them, it'll really help Joe Root out if he's got a guy at three that is solid but he's not just solid and soaking up deliveries. He's solid and putting some pressure back on the bowlers. So you're thinking that they could elevate Crawley to three? Well, Crawley's an opening batsman by trade from what I've right. gathered from the from – the, I haven't seen a lot of him in – I haven't seen any and, of him in, and in county. It's it's his father who's John Crawley. He batted at three. Yeah, so. creepy Crawley. So they, these things run in the family, right? Hmm. <laughs> but so – and that's what they were talking about. They interviewed him, I think, one of the – like the tea breaks that, you know, batting at four was a bit of a – you know, a, a new challenge for him. So I certainly got the impression from that that he's been an opener, he's if, if anything, for most of his domestic career. Mm. So I think that's the right move, actually, as well. I I don't understand the persistence of, of Joe Denley. I, maybe he's, he's got experience. Maybe he's good in the, the dressing room. Well, he scored, for, he, scores runs in, he scored runs in, in county cricket, and right. obviously with no Joe Root, yeah, he's a he's a experienced head. Yeah, um, but I just think, yeah, for, for the balance now that, that roots back, you got now that, that roots experience. back, I I can't see them dropping Crawley. That'd be just really abysmal management of their side if they drop Crawley to stick with Denley. Is there a, an Ian Chapel argument to say that Root should go up to number three? Well, you know, he, he Root's hate- been really uncomfortable. I don't think he's ever really excelled at three. They tried him at three in the Ashes and he bombed. Um, I don't ever remember him having a really extended period at three. Yeah. Um, I think if Crawley is going to be the type of player he looked like in that second innings, he's a guy that could cut it at three. He's got the defensive panache of an opener, looked like he was happy to score runs conventionally and yeah. relatively quickly. If he's comfortable being an opener, you know, he could be in second ball of the test. So yeah. he looks like he could shift to three. Yeah. Um, and then Root can still bat at that favoured position of four. That's... Well, that, I believe, is what they should do. I don't think it's what they will do. <laughs> what I think they're going to do is that I think they're going to drop Ollie Pope just just because uh, he didn't score runs in the first. Um, and then shift test. everyone down. So Stokes down to six and then have yeah. and what, well, Crawley to five? Yeah. I think that's what they'll do because, I don't know, they've got this, this loyalty to, to Joe Danley. They don't, they don't want to drop him. They want to keep him there. I suppose maybe it's that we made you wait for so long to get a test gig. You <laughs> yeah. eke everything out of you, but but, um, but I I agree with with what you say. I think that's that's the right move. I don't think it's the move they're going to make. Well, we'll be able to find out in a couple of days, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so excited again. <laughs> um. Yeah. So moving forward from here, what are we? What do you, what do you what do you hope to see in the rest of the, in the next test? I hope to see uh, England get bundled out repeatedly for the next two tests, and Wendy's get a get a uh, a black wash, as though we would like to say. Yeah. Well, I. <laughs> what I think will happen is I think that um, I think I'm pretty sure I have to remember what I said. I'm pretty sure I said two one to to the West Indies as my prediction. You did. So I think England will rally from here. You yeah. think? So you're you're backing England for this this one, and we're going to have a decider. Uh, because I, I I actually think I said two one also, but I think you said, said two one Wendy's. Yeah. I said two one England. You both said the same. Oh really? I I bat definitely called for the Wendy's to win. Yeah, yeah. I can't I, remember. I, I, I said, can't remember. I know I said two one, but I didn't, I couldn't remember which way I went. I can't remember if I said maybe I said two nil with a draw. I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> anyway. We, we you know what? Yeah, I'm, we'll have to listen to our own podcast, podcast to find again. out. <laughs> um, I think it'll come down. It'll come down to. I think it'll come down to the toss. To be honest, for the next test, um, and the Windies being able to contribute runs at the top of the order. We know Joe Root's back. Um, we've seen enough from the English batsmen that they've got a bit of steel about them. They can get starts, and if they get a bunch of starts and a big score from Root or Stokes then I don't think the Windies have got the runs in the bank to make a game competitive if England put on a score of about 400. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I could yeah. be proved wrong. Like, you know, Shy Hope and Shemar Brooks and Brathwaite could really turn it around. But on recent history and then sort of looking at how they've, they've gone, at the moment the evidence certainly points to that if England put a score on, the Windies probably don't have the horses in the shed to chase that down. So yeah. they will need to... It'll be really important for them to take the initiative in the test. So uh, runs are very important and controlling the tempo of the game. Um, they need to pick Root up early. Um, they cannot let him get us. So whatever play, they've got plans for how they're going to deal with Joe Root, same as the Aussies did, because they let Joe Root go and do what he did against New Zealand and get some runs under his belt. There's enough. <sighs> it's going to sound really mean, but I think England are made up of a lot of really average cricketers. And they just and they ride on the back of Joe Root um, and Ben Stokes in their batting lineup. So if they've got enough, if those two bats are the world class that they are, they've got enough average cricketers to eke out enough runs to support them to put on a score. So if they pick up Joe Root, who is their world class talent, I again I don't see big big scores out of anyone in that the rest of that lineup, other than Ben Stokes, not consistently anyway. So yeah. they get Joe Root out early, do what they did to the English lineup in the last test, and I think the Windies can do it again. So I'm going to go for the, the Windies to lock up the series in this test. Oh, nice. As in go 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil up. Yeah. What do you reckon, Glenn? Um, Weather permitting. No, I think England are going to actually rally. They're, they're going to win this one, and the last one's going to be a decider. Um, Which you think is going to be in England's favour, if I remember right from well storybook I, you've got going. I don't know. Right? Like, <laughs> well, <clears throat> I think it's a, it's a different England team with Root. Um, if they sort out their problems, um, if they get a long partnership, though the Windies – Looks like they have a bit more steel. I think that'll really be tested this this test. Um, I think they they at one point out of twenty wickets that they've got to get to to achieve that victory. One of those twenty wickets is going to be a long partnership, and they've got to make sure that they don't fall apart and start conceding three and a half, four runs and over yeah. like the West Indies of old. And if they go with Stokes and they keep Butler. Like that's the sort of game that Butler will really turn the momentum. If if he come he, he's coming in at five for three hundred, yeah, and he doesn't have to defend. He's gone out with a bit of a license that can turn into four fifty in the blink of an eye, and mm. that's where they'll lose it. Is when Butler gets in, there's no pressure. He can settle down, and then all of a sudden the runs start coming quickly, and you've gone from grinding out to you know that, and then all of a sudden Butler's going at four, five, six runs and over. And then you just batch you out of the game. Yeah. Um, so they they need to And and I, I have no doubt that Jason Holder can stunt that momentum with the way that he bowls and how accurate he is. 
But do they have another person at the other end who can stunt that momentum? You know, Kemar Roach is a little more accurate, but I think he showed really late on that on that fourth. He was trying hard, day trying that, really hard that yeah, day, and he, sort of he got he away from him. So I think that's that's, that's another thing really going forward. There, Kemar Roach has been averaging under twenty for the last eighteen yeah. months Didn't and got no wickets. So he's not going to go wicketless. For the rest no. of this series, so yeah, they did that. Not a not a bowler down. Roach bowled really tight for most of that game, but you've got to imagine there's a there's a wicket taking spell and Kemar Roach in there as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, personally, I would like to see the biggest man in Test cricket play in one of the next two Tests. Raheem Cornwall. Oh, <laughs> he's there a is, big guy. There is the Adonis of cricket. There as is, he is known. nothing more I'd like to see. Um, and he, he's a fast bowler. I can't. I couldn't. I didn't. He is. He's a spinner. No. Well, he's an off spinner. He's an off spinner. Left arm. Well, left arm. It's off, off break bowler. Left arm. You know he averages under twenty two. Oh no, he's not left arm, is he? Yeah, he's right arm. Right arm. <laughs> he's hey. He's not fast. Well, he's not fast. He's fast by our standards, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I'd I'd like to see him play. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Depends on the pitches. Um, from what I gather, from what they're talking about, they're expecting them to be to favour pace. So I can't imagine the West Indies well, really changing anything. Do, do you think that that'll st- they'll do that? That do you think they'll? They, still- I don't think they've got time. If they've gone, oh geez, we better change these. I don't think they've got the time to make changes to the pitches. And to be honest, they've both got good fast bowling attacks. It wouldn't favour England to make pitches well, that didn't favour fast bowling. I reckon that's what it was. That that's what it was though. That's why they picked um, Wood and Archer and all those guys because they thought they'll just bowl them out. out. Like, you know what I mean? Bowl them out of the game. Yeah, but it wasn't a wicket that was really conducive to pace, though. That's if, like if it was a quick wicket, a quick green wicket. Yeah, it's maybe you just go with the out and out pace. But it didn't really have a lot of carry. Um, all of the batsmen, West Indies and England, both said that the ball didn't come on as quick as they were expecting yeah, it to. Yeah. Um, and so it just, it just, yeah, it just seemed like he was, uh, Wood was really just on a hiding to nothing, really. It was just bowling fast on a wicket that really wasn't helping him. And he just doesn't seem to have that same mongrel or just yeah. ability to get the, the bouncer to do unexpected things that Archer does. Um, and you know, the difference between, like, I think having will never face anything nearly that quick, but I think I'd rather I'd rather face a ninety two mile per hour fastball from Wood than an eighty five mile per hour fastball from Archer because Archer just looks more dangerous doing it. Yeah. Why not so, both? Yeah, why not both? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so it was like, like I'm not I'm not saying that he was soft, he just he just didn't look like he yeah. meant it. The problem with you know him is he's soft. You know what he needs? <laughs> he needs to go and see Mitchell Johnson's barber, I suppose you could say. Just mm. go and ask Jonathan Trott. What did Johnson <laughs> do to you? Just go just can't, go into the jungle. Can't sleep. The mo will eat me. Can't sleep. The mo will eat me. Go into the jungle and find a giant caterpillar. Yeah. Put it on his upper lip. Yeah, because after he come <laughs> he come back with the mo, he come back with an attitude. Oh, yeah. Can't pick Mitchell Johnson in your side if he doesn't have the mo. That mo yeah. gave him superpowers. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we're so you're sticking the same. You think you like what you see from the West Indies? You yeah, reckon I really do. You reckon they're going to pull it out two one? I do hope so. I reckon the the 
the pitch and who England picks to be their bowlers might might be the determining factor. Any mm. so if you were right now West Indies selector, do you make a change to your team? Yes. What do you change? I don't know. Well, obviously well, that's, you're, you wanna, the, you're the selector. You're going through. What are you changing? You're in your going team? for Raheem, Raheem Cornwall. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I bring Cornwall in just because you want to see him play. Yes. For? No other reason. No. Nah, for uh, their wicketkeeper. No. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know. I'd. It'd, it'd have to be a very. There's no very, right or wrong very, answer. I'm just asking. No, I, I just have to sit down and, and and go through. I'm unsure who they have on their um, roster. Yeah. So you drop a quick, drop a batsman. I'd probably drop one of their quicks. So, so you'd run with, so potentially Alzari Joseph comes out, for example, and run with Roach, Gabriel, yeah, um, Cornwall and Holder. Yeah. All right. And if you're England selector, do you make any changes? Um, yes. I drop Ben Stokes. Drop, drop them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, a, you're an no, un, no, unbiased no. English selector. Um, I would definitely make a few changes. Um, I'd change their bowlers, definitely. I'd get, I'd get rid of Wood. Um, run with Anderson, Broad, and Archer. Archer, and obviously Stokes, and batting lineup. So who Don't makes way? Best. Who makes way for um for Joe Root? Do you pick Joe Root? I'm assuming you will because you're not a moron. Well, I don't like Joe Root, but I'd, you'd have to pick him, wouldn't you? So in in place of I bat him at four. In place of um, I don't know. You'd have to keep just about everyone. I'll Crawley, you'd have to stay. I'll come back to you. Yeah. Okay. Glenn, West Indies selector, you make any changes? No. No? You're running the same side? Pretty much. We're not, yeah. we're not friends anymore, Glenn. Maybe maybe if Campbell's no good with his foot, you'd have to find – surely they have a reserve opener, but only if he's not fit. Uh, and you're an England selector. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, Wood's out, Broad's in, Danley's out, Crawley goes straight into three and, and Root slots into four. Awesome. We're on the same wavelength. I would do the same thing. Okay. Um, Root comes in for Denley. Crawley goes to three. Broad comes in for Wood. I'd love to see Cornwall play too, but I think the side's going so too well. If the win, if the if the pitch looks like it's going to really break up and be conducive to spin, I would consider dropping Joseph for Cornwall. Yeah. But if and under any other circumstance, I run with the same eleven, other than obviously any potential injuries to to John Campbell. Yeah, yeah, I think we're all agreed with England. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. We are so very happy to be talking about the cricket again. Uh, we've got a special treat for you for our next week's episode, so please get involved for that one. We're doing something a little bit different. Bring your um, pens and paper. We're not going to uh, uh, to give too much away, but, yeah, bring pens and paper while you're listening to that one because there might be some audience participation involved in that. Um, we are going to hold off doing any reviews of the next two games until both games are complete. So after the completion of the third test, we'll be back and we'll bring you another um, action-packed uh, breakdown of the remainder of this series, hopefully celebrating a historic West Indies victory. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. We're just so happy the cricket's back. And we've also got Pakistan, all things going well, looking at coming to England as well. So hopefully Fox isn't going to stuff us around and they'll have that televised. 
Otherwise, that'll be a whole new soapbox moment. We'll have to get up there and bully them into uh, yeah. bringing it back. Look, we make changes, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've got weight. We've got weight. We didn't even upload that and it changed. <laughs> they just knew it was coming. Um, so there, that'll do us for this week. Um, hope you've enjoyed our analysis of the test. Like always, get involved on the Two Slips in the Gully page. If you have uh, anything you want to add, anything you think we've missed, um, get involved in the conversation. Um, also, for those of you out there, we've joined a podcasting app called Good Pods. It's a fantastic app for anyone, not just sporting um, podcasts, but for anyone who just likes any sort of podcast that works. Very similar to Facebook for podcasts. You can um, make friends, follow people, see what they're listening to, search for basically any podcast. They've got quite a fantastic library. Um, get involved, listen to lots of it. Please join up, download the app, follow Two Slips in a Gully, give us a listen, give us a shout-out. Let's spread the podcast community around. If you're not going to listen to us on podcasts, we are, of course, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, all of those wonderful places. We are done for this week. We will get back to you next week, like we said, with a very special episode, so don't miss that one. It's going to be fantastic. Bye for now. See you, guys. See ya. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.